welcome to The Review. This is a short show designed to find, evaluate, and explore the resources that matter to your congregations and communities. Sometimes they'll be very practical, and other times they'll be pretty theoretical. But above all, we hope you find this show enjoyable. And we've had a lot of fun making it, so you may as well come along for the ride and have some fun with us. Hey everyone, welcome back to whatever this is. We don't even really know. We don't. Uh, is it a book club? Is it a resource review? We're just here, having a good time. Yeah, we're consistent and we're figuring it out as we go. Right, we're showing up. So, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> we're glad you could join us. This week, we have a kind of a unique, almost a pivot for us, uh-huh, right? For sure. Because up until this point, maybe you've heard the other episodes, maybe you haven't, but the ones we recorded before this were all books. Mm-hmm. And so this is our first non-book our yeah. first podcast, and dare I say, our first foray into something that's actually hot in pop culture right now. Whoa, what? Who are we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We're hip. <laughs> we're just darn hip. <laughs> so, Abby, why don't you tell the audience what we're going to be talking about today and, and yeah. what made you think this would be a good thing to discuss? <laughs> what made me think? <laughs> what, what right. Was going on in your head? So, I got a podcast recommendation from a friend probably about a month ago. And it was for a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And as named, it was about the story of Mars Hill, the church in Seattle, pastored by Mark Driscoll. And so, of course, I'm interested in this storyline. And it's produced by Christianity Today. So I thought that they might have a really interesting take on the events that unfolded. Yes. So you came up with this idea and I was like, I've heard of this podcast. Mm -hmm. I hadn't been interested enough to listen to it until then. But I figured, hey, you want to talk about it? Let's listen to it. Yeah. And I'm really glad I did because, wow. It's super interesting. Wow. It's an interesting look into the church, specifically the white church. Yes. The white evangelical church. The evangelical church. church. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So, and even like a very specific generation. Mm -hmm. Like, like, this is a a subset of a subset of a subset, I think. Yeah. So, like, before we jump in, I think I just want to note that we're still going to apply the same lens to this that we apply to every other resource, kind of talking about what we gleaned from it, how it might be applicable to congregations and who specifically in congregations might benefit from it. And so, you know, our goal here isn't just to kind of talk about the hot gossip about Mark Driscoll or Mars Hill, right? It's to kind of unpack this as we would any resource and help you understand if it's something that might be a good fit for you. Or maybe Mm -hmm. you've already listened to it, but you can go back again with a different lens, less entertainment, more, hey, this has something useful that I can take back, you know, to my community. For sure. One thing I really appreciated about the way Christianity Today presented the podcast is they were very upfront about the fact that we're not just producing this content for entertainment's sake or to make it like the hot gossip of the week, but it can be listened to as a cautionary tale or as the resource for people to learn some warning signs of leadership that may be somewhat abusive in order to make educated decisions in their life. So it was more than just talking about someone else's life and what has happened. It's about learning. Absolutely. So in that vein, what are some of the top lessons that you took from this podcast series? 
So I really appreciated the approach they took with it. Instead of going the direction of only talking about the negatives, about the abusive culture or the aggressive culture, they also talked about some of the good fruit that was seen in in the church. So it made it a little more clear of why people didn't just run. Because a lot of times people hear about these things that are going on and they're like, well, if you saw those things, why didn't you just, you know, head for the hills? And most of the time it's because there's also good things going on. And so it's not as easy or not as black and white of, of like, oh, well, this leader is obviously spiritually abusive. I'm going to run for the hills. No, there's generally also really good and helpful things going on alongside that that make it a confusing atmosphere. Yeah, they did a good job of framing the entire series with that theme throughout, right? They kept Mm -hmm. reminding folks that, hey, we're going to talk about some of the negative things that happened and the reasons why the community ultimately fell apart. But we also want to note that there were many, many people who experienced life-changing events, life-changing moments, life-changing relationships while at Mars Hill. And so I feel like that was a continued invitation to the listener, Mm -hmm. to me as the listener, to learn to hold both because right. we're not always great at holding both, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. One of the things that I will comment on, though, that stood out to me early on, I don't know, maybe problematic or at the very least a growing edge, is that throughout the conversation, they talked about needs that Mars Hill or Mark Driscoll were able to meet for men or for women or cultural voids for men and women that Mars Hill was able to fill. But they spoke so generally that they never actually named race as a thing. And again, as a a black person, I'm listening to this the whole time and I can hear everything they're talking about (laughs) is dealing with white people, right? Specifically, mind you, Gen X, white Mm -hmm. men, right? It was was very obvious to me that's who they were talking about. And yet it was never named. So they would talk about, oh, in the U.S. at this point in time, like this was a need that was uh, going on for young men. And I'm thinking... Which young men? For for black young men? For Latinx young men? For for who? No, they're talking, from my perspective again, specifically about white young yeah. men of specific age, but it wasn't mm-hmm. named. And, and while it doesn't take away any of the overarching lessons that I think can be gleaned from it, it's important that we name that, right? Because the takeaways that I might want to get from this and bring to my congregation I'm attending that is black— could be very different, you know, than mm-hmm. what you might take to your congregation that's predominantly white. And and so I just think, though race isn't always something that's going to sway the conversation to one extreme or the other, it's important to at least be clear about who we're talking about right. and when we're doing a case study to name the things that are important to name. And I think race is usually something important culturally to name, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely different dynamics at play. Well, let's backtrack here for a second. I'm going to tell you a little bit of the story about Mars Hill so you can track with the gist of the storyline of what this podcast covers. So Mars Hill was started in the 90s by Mark Driscoll and I believe a couple other gentlemen who ended up being elders at the church. I would say Mark, especially later on, got pretty brash with his and aggressive in his tone with staff internally, but also you can see it in some of his sermons. And so he speaks to men in the congregation very aggressively. He puts a burden of being the masculine men who protects and serves and and puts this framework around masculinity. By 2014, 
There were some concerns raised in the church. There was an investigation that took place. And when the elders were approaching, about to approach Mark to start an internal investigation, uh, Mark ended up stepping down and resigning. And so that was that. Then uh, the elders decided, you know what, instead of continuing the church, we're actually just going to close our doors. The congregation who had spent their lives there, some of them, ended up finding other places to worship. And Mark's actions affected many. And whether they were close to him personally or not, the doors of the church were closed because ultimately because he stepped down as pastor and the elders thought the best thing to do was to close the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for even a little more context for those that don't know, you know, Mars Hill was situated in Seattle, Washington, Mm -hmm. right? So in a very liberal part of the country, and they kind of positioned themselves as being countercultural and very much in that kind of evangelical tradition. And so that Mm -hmm. was a big part of their identity. And as they grew and became a megachurch, they were kind of one of the first congregations, I think, in the country to really bring that kind of, the podcast describes them as almost like a punk rock brand mm-hmm. of Christianity. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of culturally edgy, yet yeah. still theologically conservative in, in some ways. Mm-hmm. So the congregation was a big deal for a while. And then the disintegration of it and the reputation hit that Mark took also was a pretty big deal, at least in some Christian circles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering, Abby, what were some of like the, the high-level takeaways that you think a member of a congregation listening to this might be able to utilize in their own context and community? Well, I know that even I have experienced levels of spiritual—I'm going to call them power plays. Mm. And back in the day when I was young and experiencing it, I was so confused because there was good things happening, but there were also— things that didn't make sense. There were power plays going on that seemed off, but in my spiritual immaturity, I didn't know what to call it. And so what I appreciate about the example that they are using of Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll is the fact that they're showing how good things can happen and there's still spiritual power plays going on. And those are signs you need to pay attention to and also trust yourself to move in a direction once you're seeing some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to ask how the story would have ended differently if mm-hmm. more people had trusted themselves, if more mm-hmm. people had listened to the, the folks that were feeling hurt and then confronted Mark about them. Right. Maybe nothing would have changed because Mark had kind of a principal philosophy of you were either on the bus with me or yeah. you're getting run over by the bus. Yeah. Right? So anyone that opposed him got quickly run over, kicked out of the church, whatever. So maybe nothing would have changed, but It's interesting because early on, Mark's assistant said that it would be really good for him to have more men Mm -hmm. that would challenge him right, Mm -hmm. and push him. That's actually one of my takeaways is that regardless of what context you're in, what congregation you're in, denomination, even organization, as a leader, you want to surround yourself with people that are going to say no, Mm -hmm. people that are going to challenge you, people that still buy into the vision maybe, but that are willing to let you know when you might be veering off course or bring something you haven't considered yet. Because if you're just surround yourself with yes people or if you are the culture, at some point that's not going to be sustainable. Right. right? Yeah. And so that was one of my takeaways. As a leader, surround yourself with people that are going to confront you and challenge you in love so that as a community and as a person, you can continue to grow in love. Yeah. And that speaks, I think, to one other takeaway that I see is that Driscoll, he really did build the church around his brand. 
And that was ultimately the downfall because I, of course, if it's built around him and his brand, it's going to be hard to hear no, you know? And so it's going to be hard to have others speak into your life when it is your church and your brand. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that happens, I think, more often when you have a charismatic leader at the front. Mm -hmm. So it's just important to look out for. That's not to say that every charismatic leader is going to, you know, lead you down a negative path. But Mm -hmm. again, something to be wary of. Yeah. On that note, I'm such a person. And for better or worse, I never like to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm just not. And I think that's why I've been drawn to the podcast so much is because it does talk about the hardships, but it doesn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so, yeah, for better or worse, that's generally my stance with things. Yeah. And I think that's helpful. You know, there's a big movement in our country right now. One of the rare things that people on the extreme left and extreme right of mm-hmm. the political divide in our country are united on is that cancel culture is right. problematic. Yeah. Right. It's one of the only things. Mm-hmm. And, and so this podcast does a good job of avoiding that, I think. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's helping you hold both what people have said is the good and what people have said was the bad about Mars mm-hmm. Hill. The other takeaway for me is to be mindful, and I don't hear this talked about a lot uh, anywhere, but to be mindful of how your theology influences leadership in your congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a small moment in one of the earlier episodes, but Mark Driscoll was talking about how conflict is not godly. And I thought mm-hmm. to myself, oh, no. <laughs> like, if you hold that theological conviction that only unity is godly, you are setting yourself up for failure, right? Because mm-hmm. as I read the gospel, Jesus was in conflict an awful lot. Right. Right. Even with his disciples at times. In the early church, there was conflict. There was disagreement. Conflict is how we sharpen each other. In Isaiah, it says, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And so to hold the theological belief that conflict is not godly means that you could be less likely to surround yourself with people that are going to challenge you. Mm-hmm. It means that when conflict does arise, it may be a— zero-sum game and where one side has to win and the other side has to lose instead of trying to figure out, okay, how do we move forward together? And so I think it'd be helpful for us to pay attention to how the theology we hold in our congregations affects the way we understand and view leadership and then how that affects our community, right? Mm -hmm. If you're in a faith-based context, oftentimes theology will be the underpinnings of kind of your communal values, right? So we just got to pay attention to that. Circling back to this point of you can be in a context in which you see things happening that you believe are good, and that doesn't mean there are also things happening that are harming others that maybe you're not aware of, right? And we have to take both seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't mean someone gets canceled necessarily, but you got to take action. uh, Right. And you have to honor the voices of those who are hurt. Because while there were a lot of men on the podcast that said, hey, yeah, Mark changed my life. He may have been... They didn't use this term, but a bully at times. He may have been really aggressive at times. You know, he may have had anger issues, but he helped me become a man. You didn't hear that so much from the women in the podcast, Mm -hmm. right? And that was kind of a recurring theme that the gender teachings of the congregation could and did leave many women feeling marginalized, feeling like they were just like were being saved by, quote, good guys that would then just like subjugate them as well. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe for the best of intentions, even if you're in a space where good things are happening— Ask yourself whose voice isn't being heard, right? And then try to pay attention to that. And if someone's voice isn't being heard and you find out harmful things are happening, you still have to take action, you know? Because, yeah, it may mean that the good things, quote, come to an end, but it might also mean that you find ways to do even better things Mm -hmm. without leaving a pile of bodies in your wake, right? Right. And that that has to be, I think, our, our ultimate goal. 
Yeah, well, and that requires the leadership asking who's not in the room or who's not being heard. In this context, I'm not sure that was the question that was being asked. And so it left a lot of people out. So like I said, this is a mixed bag. And like you did hear how Mark served some women and they were very blessed. I will say specifically, he reached out to single mothers, women in need in different ways. And so there were good things but also, so there's a lot of the, a lot of those, but also there was some abusive things. There were some aggressive things and those can't be ignored also, but it does take leadership that have their ears open and they're ready to listen and hear. I think Mark was in his mid twenties when he started the church, which is like, he went from not being a pastor to being a church planter. And then, you know, gaining some notoriety quickly. And it's not shocking, you know, like when someone's character doesn't match their gifting, we've seen this time and again where their gifting grows, but their character hasn't matured. And so things go awry, especially if they don't have people in their lives who speak into it. Yeah. And I think a point that the host of this podcast wanted to make time and again as well was that, yes, this was a story about Mars Hill. This is a story about Mark Driscoll. But as the host said, this is also a story about us, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know exactly how they're defining us. Uh, <laughs> not sure there. Um, I'm assuming white evangelical Christians, maybe. I, they didn't specify that. But the church as a whole has their different issues. Yes. Like, so I think— Whether these specific issues apply to maybe your black church, to your Hispanic church, your Burmese church, each church is going to have its own variation that could crop up. And so though they may not look the same as like your white congregations issues or these apparent issues in white evangelicalism, there are going to be issues. And so I think that's kind of where they were going with that. Yes, and that's ultimately the point I was about to try to make, but I got stuck at the fact that they didn't name who they're talking about again. Like, I just, I got stuck there. But, yes. Right. You're right. So, so and again, I appreciate them for inviting the listener to move beyond just this one specific mm-hmm. congregation and this one specific leader because the principles, I think, are applicable across the spectrum. Right, yeah. Yeah, very any, much so. Any final thoughts or takeaways that you'd want to leave listeners with? Or, or maybe even better yet, who specifically in a congregation is this podcast series best for? I think it's great for clergy leaders specifically. At the beginning of this, I said it kind of serves as a cautionary tale. And it does. And I think we need reminded that these things are possible. Even in us, these things are possible. And it's important to have people in our lives speaking into our lives. It's important to recognize warning signs. Like in this cautionary tale, there's a lot that you can glean from it not just as a good story, but as principles and ideas to take into your own life and consider. Absolutely. And and so if you are in a situation in which you are noticing some potentially problematic things happening in your congregation and you want to know how to move forward, check out our congregational resource guide, thecrg.org. You can see what resources we might have on conflict management. You can also give us a call. Uh, we're happy to connect you. And if we don't have the resource, we're happy to do some research and see what the best resources might be. And maybe that's a book. Maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's a, a conflict mediator that you can bring in to help mm-hmm. mediate that conflict. I've been a part of a congregation that has gone through that process. I know others 
in our organization have as well. So if we don't have the expertise, we can find the people that do and help connect you with those folks. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to note that if you see some of these warning signs, it doesn't mean it's the end. It just means you have some things to address. So call us if you need resources and we hope to help. Yeah. I think a very final thing I'd say is that if you are in a situation in which you know stuff is happening, you know people aren't being heard, and maybe they don't feel safe enough to come forward, I think it's important that someone says something. You know, whether that's to an elder, to a a pastor that isn't directly involved in the conflict, or to the denomination. Like, at some point, someone's got to be willing to kind of step in the gap. It's important to speak with those that are being hurt and to get their blessing, I think, before doing so sometimes. But silence only enables abusive, problematic behavior. And so I I would just encourage those, if you know about something happening, speak with those that it's happening to. And then if you're able, step in the gap and help that process move forward so that, again, that pile of bodies isn't being left in the wake of the bus that's moving. So we appreciate y'all listening today. Thanks for coming back to the book club or Mm -hmm. the resource review. Whatever this (laughs) is. Whatever this is. And if you liked it, feel free to share it with friends and family and leave us some recommendations on resources that you might be looking out for next. Thanks for listening to The Review. This was a bonus episode of the Center for Congregations podcast. Please take a moment and show your appreciation by leaving a five-star rating. If you'd like to find more resources for the good work you're doing, check out the Congregational Resource Guide at thecrg.org. We'd like to thank our brilliant audio engineer, Jaden Lee, for the great work he does to keep us sounding intelligible. And we want to acknowledge that this show is made possible by the generosity of the Lilly Endowment. See you next time.